You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 309 of Podcateers. This week, Gavin is back and he fills us in on some of the efforts he's been a part of to help out with some of the shortages during this difficult time. An unusual mask makes its way into the wild and we take a walk through Buena Vista Street. Remember that if you'd like to join the conversation, you can connect with us by searching for Podcateers on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or, of course, you can leave a comment on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 309. We're going to get this thing started in just a moment, but before we do, I'd like to take a moment to thank a very special group of listeners called our Podcast Fairy Godparents, or the FGP Squad. If you're new to the podcast, the FGP Squad help make these episodes of Podcateers possible with a monthly contribution via Patreon. If you'd like more info on how you can become a part of the FGP Squad family, head over to podcateers.com FGP, and of course, a huge thank you goes out to all of the members of the FGP squad for their continued support. So let's get this started. Here is episode 309 of Podcateers. No, I said, are you ready? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to follow it up. All I know <laughs> is that uh, I'm not drinking coffee today. I decided that what? I wanted to drink tea. Oh, okay. okay. That's acceptable. Yeah, so I'm drinking black tea, but it's a vanilla macaroon, and it is mm. absolutely delightful. Nice. Nice. I'm enjoying <laughs> it, but I'm also four cups in, so... I Wow. I don't know if you can tell. I got my uh, Starbucks cold brew going here. Oh, Oh, that's weird. You can see right through it in the background. Oh, that is cool. There we go. Oh, there it is. I can see the bottom of the cup where it (laughs) still exists. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Oh, Zoom. It is pretty impressive how how well it handles these virtual backgrounds, though. Uh, I am impressed at it. I agree. Right? The fact that in real time it's replacing this mm-hmm. and it doesn't really seem to affect the quality of the call itself, right. I right. think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Unlike mm-hmm. Skype, which anything you do seems to affect the call. Yeah, and if you yeah. move too much. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Google now is doing Meet or like, yeah, I think it's yeah, Meet, meet right? Google That's meet. their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried it the other day. It's not great. Um, yeah, it's okay. Like that's what we use at work, and I'm I'm bummed because I can't throw up my cool Disneyland virtual background. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I can there's a Zoom. lot of limitations to it, and yeah. it doesn't have. I don't know. Like for a company that wants to be competing with some of these other companies in this exact same space, it doesn't feel like they were trying when they were yeah. when they updated and released Meet. Yeah. You know, it's just I think it's more standard. to do with just syncing up with their other things. I don't think they're really trying to compete, personally. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Google's weird like that. Plus, they always start new projects, and then they end them for whatever reason. <laughs> Especially when people <laughs> really like them. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have 2 million users now? Kill it. 
<laughs> it's like, I just don't get it. But whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Google is going to Google. Right? Uh, dude, so I-, I wanted to ask you, uh, a couple months back, we talked about a project that work was doing where people that had the technology could jump in and help Mm -hmm. to 3d print stuff how's Mm -hmm. that going yeah it was a crazy two months and basically 3d printing in many ways took center stage on the covid relief efforts um so the company that i work for matter hackers did Uh, They created a hub where we were trying to organize people that had the capacity to 3D print PPE for frontline workers and then, you know, matching them up with those frontline workers, hospitals and clinics and and even like fire department, police department, things like that. And uh, we actually reached a point a couple of weeks ago uh, where hospitals were basically telling us, Nah, we're good. Thanks. Because, you know, the, you know, and we weren't the only ones globally coordinating efforts for 3D printing to help in this, you know, meet the gap in uh, supply here. Eventually, the manufacturing, the injection molding, the traditional way that these are made started to catch up. But 3D printing filled this immediate gap because it's instantaneous manufacturing. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just did, you know, a really concerted effort to try and get as much material out there in the hands of people that could make them and then coordinate getting them to the right places um, wherever they ne- were needed. Um, we got to form some really cool partnerships with some large corporate donors who just put in tons of cash and helped, you know, grease the wheels, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it was really, uh, crazy, crazy time. Now we're just in a place where we're waiting for a lot of things to come back in stock, you know, because so many things are made in Europe and in China and, you know, it's a slow process of getting those back into our marketplace at this point. But yeah, I mean, we, we clearly made a difference and we, uh, 3d printing in general as a community really met the need and it it seemed to work you know it, it provided protection for thousands of people i know that our company alone coordinated the um shipping out of over fifty thousand ppe that uh awesome. yeah so it was it was a huge effort and it, it's weird it really changed our business entirely for a couple months. You know, we were having very different conversations with people, mm-hmm. you know, than we did two months before that, you know, where they're just calling yeah. up looking for a 3D printer and we're trying to help them, you know, wade through those waters and find the right printer. And then, you know, it transitioned to, I got to print uh, masks for my local hospital. Like, what can I do? And, you know, we had to learn about what plastics were appropriate and what hospitals wanted and didn't want. We had to learn all this whole new world of things that I'd never heard the term PPE. I mean, most people hadn't, I don't think. Yeah. I yeah. And so it, it was just weird. It was a it was a very interesting couple of months. It's been incredibly busy for us, which is good and bad. There's, there are pros and cons there, but our business is doing well. So, uh, that's, that's a major pro. And, uh, now we got to figure out how we move forward in this new economy that we're in this new world that we're in. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, congratulations. I think you guys did a fantastic job with yeah. that. Yeah. I remember you. when you first brought it to my attention, I was super excited because 3D printing is something that I've always been interested in. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had the money to purchase my own printer and, you know, really dive into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I still plan one day on doing it once I have the opportunity. But uh, the fact that, you know, you were part of that effort, you know, that that's amazing, dude. Good. Well done. You know, I'm proud of that effort. And yeah, it's so weird. I think now as we try to move forward, people see the value more in 3D printing than ever before. Mm -hmm. Because I mm -hmm. think before people saw it as like, oh, those 3D printers, you can make little trinkets and really cool cosplay things with it. Right. But now yeah. the practical use behind it is only going to expedite the testing and development of 3d printing with other materials that i think haven't been available before mm -hmm. and i think that's super exciting you know having the ability mm -hmm. to instantly create stuff like that it's helpful and it's it's useful it's needed you know that's yeah. what it is it's needed in in many areas so that's fantastic man i'm happy to hear that yeah man speaking of masks and ppe um what's up with that tony baxter mask <laughs> the stash <laughs> I mean is that was that like a joke or was that like a real thing no it's legit someone is someone has created a mask that has a uh, Tony Baxter's face preferably his mustache his smile it's fan freaking tastic so I, you it, could just wear it and share it <laughs> it made me wonder how many people in disney out there have a recognizable enough mouth <laughs> that you could know who it was like tony's a rare case right yeah Where it's like oh that's tony baxter but if it was i mean even like bob Iger, would you recognize him from just his mouth i don't Probably think i would not. you know i think Probably that that's not. what's really funny about it and uh i i would be interested to see more of them i mean i guess <laughs> There's a part of me that's just like, dude, that's just weird. Like, is Tony Baxter <laughs> even involved in this? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> right? Because that was my first question was how and then why? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I, the appeal is there. You know, I think there's enough people that are going to see the joke in it that I think they're mm -hmm. going to understand what it represents. And they're just going to mm -hmm. be super proud to wear Tony Baxter's mouth on their mouth. Heck yeah. You know? <laughs> right. So, uh, different I don't strokes know. for it, different folks. Right? <laughs> it's just going to spawn an entire line. It's like, get your new Joe Lodi <laughs> yes. ear cover that has like a fake oh, yeah. earring you or something. Oh, yeah. You just do his right? mouth, and then the straps on one side has a bunch of earrings has a bunch hanging of, off. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, each mask will be specifically designed to cater to the specific Imagineer mm -hmm. that designed something or is, you know, famous. There you go. I'm surprised Perfect. people haven't tried to do Walt Disney masks, but yeah, I'm, I guess... I'm surprised too. I, I don't know how well the Disney masks are doing. You know, the official ones that they released. I still mm -hmm. haven't seen one out in the wild. I myself. haven't either. So... I don't think we will until maybe another month or so. Oh, really? Yeah, they're only pre-order. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Okay, that's the I... other thing. Like. One conversation that I've had with several people is I don't understand the mask situation, right? Because 
apparently in order to block as much of this as possible you need like this n95 mask that filters as much of it as possible but mm -hmm. all these cloth masks that they're releasing are not n95 masks it's just a piece of cloth how is that supposed to prevent you from catching it maybe if you're sneezing it'll prevent it from spreading a little bit because it'll catch mm -hmm. it but it's not really protecting you is well, it yeah, most of them have like here. Here's a example of a mask I've been wearing, uh, and most of them have a little opening that you can insert mm -hmm. a, the filter in, which is equivalent to the uh, filters that you can get on the like official masks. But not the um, Disney ones, though. I'm I'd be surprised if they didn't have a way to insert a filter. I don't know I, that they, they probably don't come with one, but I'd I, be surprised if they did I thought they were they just didn't. like the ones that you get when you go to the doctor's office to prevent you from sneezing out into the open. Maybe. I didn't look at them that closely because I already had I a mask. I haven't checked the specs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. But, yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. It's it's basically trying to keep your germs contained on you and not expose other people. You know, they're not protecting you from things without. They're just keeping things from other people. Again, though, like if an N95 mask is supposed to block that from going in, I think it's also going to prevent it from getting out. And these cloth masks aren't going to prevent it from getting sure. out. That's sure. Right. That's what's confusing are, to me. The, there are some people that I've seen like in comments that they're actually putting if this makes sense, um, like a, a regular paper mask and then putting that over, which, you know, if you want to put extra, go for it. If it makes you feel a little bit better, I mean, just it, as long as it doesn't, as long as you're not going constantly out, yeah. if it's just, again, essential runs that we have to do, I think it should be okay, but not for every day or going to... If you're going to be in close quarters with people, it's not going to help. Yeah. 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 But every every little bit helps in general. You know, even if it's a bandana tied around your face, you know, it's going to cause at least a minimal barrier, you know. Right. And so if you're breathing into the world, you know, it's going to stop a lot of things. Uh, it's yeah. not a perfect, you know, seal. It's not a perfect filter. Uh, so if you're going to be, you know, talking right up face to face with somebody, it's not really doing much. But in general, it's helping. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking from a point of this is consuming my life and I'm trying not to get paranoid about it. You know, yeah. and I think given some of the things that have happened in the last several weeks, I think that's why I'm starting to get more worried about it. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think the answer to this is clearly very simple. Gavin, I need you to make me an Iron Man helmet with an N95 <laughs> filter in it. Oh, that look, would be and, a good one. And, I mean, the Iron Man helmet clearly would block everything, right? It doesn't even right. need a filter. But I'd even take a Winter Soldier mask because it just looks <laughs> freaking awesome. So if somehow I can get one of those, 3D print it, I'll consider it your PPE donation to me. And I'll just be like, heck yeah, 3D printing. Okay, done. All right. I'm in. Yes. So, yeah, Tony Baxter, uh, Google it. 
you know, it was all over Instagram for a little while, and I think I saw it on Facebook in the ad section. I'm not sure how long that will last, considering <laughs> I don't think they have Tony Baxter's permission to do that. Uh, but, you know, look for it. You might get lucky, and you might be able to find it before it gets yanked from wherever it's being sold. <laughs> or he'll put his stamp of approval on it, and they'll sell even more. Honestly, that would be best-case scenario for them, right? Yeah. He'll find yeah. the humor in it. And then he'll be like, oh, my God, this is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Just give me a cut of the profits. Keep selling it. Right? <laughs> we know that there's some people that are very protective about their image. Uh, I don't know how Tony is. I, I, I don't know him personally, so I wouldn't be able to speak to this. But, uh, you know, people want to protect their brand and they want to protect the, their persona, obviously. So uh, if they think that that's somehow going to hurt them, they probably will end it. Or they might have a lawyer say, you should end it. And they'll be like, no, mm-hmm. I think it's funny. And the lawyer will be like, no, you should end it. You know? So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Hmm. We'll see. We'll keep uh, you posted on uh, Tony Baxter Gate next week. Yeah. Tony Baxter Gate. <laughs> <laughs> Stash Gate. <laughs> uh, okay. So news for DCA. From what it looks like, uh, I believe I heard that some of the construction workers that were working on Avengers Campus have been rehired and they are back in the parks and they're working on bringing that new land to us. Uh, Obviously, I don't think it's going to open the same date that they had originally forecasted, but I mean, hey, we're getting more work done on the land, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any progress is good progress. I'll take it. Do you know if they shut down the construction the same day they closed the parks? Or did they keep working for a little while? That's a good question. I don't know that. Because uh, I feel like they kept working for a little while. I, I, I One of my coworkers, um, his significant other works as a cast member at mm-hmm. DCA. And I, I don't recall exactly, but I feel like she was still doing stuff for a week or two after the parks were closed to the public. Oh, interesting. So I I think in some ways some people were still working. So I didn't know if construction on Avengers Campus or Stark Park was still going. Stark Park. (laughs) Well, like I said, I can't confirm that. Uh, If there's any cast members out there listening that can confirm whether or not construction continued on Avengers Campus, let us know. Join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to know. Uh, you can send us a DM if you don't want us to talk about who you are or how you got this information either. We want to make sure that we're respectful. And so if you want to share that and be private about it, we'll be happy to not include your name in any of the information or any details that will say who you are you know we want to make sure that we keep that private uh but yeah i i'd be interested in knowing if they kept working because there were i mean up until now there are cast members that are working there's still some Mm -hmm. some in the sanitation department janitorial is still working some of the security members are still there because the flags are going up and down you know Mm -hmm. they've been keeping the plants you know looking landscaping landscaping exactly so i mean there's cast members working just obviously not the full force of cast members i would assume this a lot of the attractions especially with any outdoor components would have to be like run in so that you know like i don't know like so things keep oiled and lubricated and things like that like working machines have to be 
worked to stay viable, right? Like if right. you sit a car in a garage for 50 years and then try and start the engine, it's not going to start. You know, it has to be ran to like keep up. So I, I would assume that there are some sort of schedule of like ride operators going through and like running the rides for a little bit to keep them going, I would think. Yeah. I, I mean, would love to if, see a park full of just rides going and no people. That would be amazing. Oh, that would that be so would be fun. fun. <laughs> you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I – okay, so I'm going to take a quick tangent here. Okay. So you know how I've, I've been talking about doing live streams for a long time, right? Like I've, mm-hmm. I've been really wanting to do them. I've been really wanting to play games and really connect with like the FGP squad and just do some fun stuff, right? But when we tried it – we ran into all sorts of limitations with my old hardware because it just wasn't strong enough, it wasn't fast enough, and they kept crashing and all sorts of junk, right? So mm-hmm. one thing that I've realized is that trying to upgrade components during a pandemic is almost impossible because everything is out of stock. People are building computers and they're doing all sorts of things to try to work from home. There's this crazy influx of gamers now because there's nothing else to do. Right. So simple things yeah. like finding a power supply, you know, so that it can handle extra RAM in your computer. Like it's taking three to four weeks to get something like that. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is that some components to uh, help with an upgraded system have shown up now and Yay. they are installed. And I think I'm ready to start testing. Sweet. So I think within the next week or so. Uh, I'm going to post on Patreon uh, a link, obviously, to uh, a live video. And we're just going to sit there and talk. And in order to test the new RAM and everything, I'm going to play a game. Um, The one game that I've been wanting to play for a really long time. You know, we always joke around about this. um, And then when I was younger, I used to play Roller Coaster Tycoon. And years ago, uh, a game called Planet Coaster came out. And Planet Coaster was huge. Like, people loved it. Uh, Ironically enough, it was developed by the same company that developed Roller Coaster Tycoon before they moved on and started their own Hmm. thing. It's a really great game. It's a really great engine. But what's been fantastic about the Planet Coaster community is that the design engine is so vast that people have created their own Disney parks in the game. Okay. So cool. And I'm talking about like detailed replicas of Splash Mountain, Pirates, mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion, you name it. Like the castles from Shanghai to Cinderella Castle at Walt Disney World. Like these replicas are awesome. Yeah. And so I figured a great way to test it, to test my new hardware, would be let's do a live stream. We'll chat a little bit. Let's fire up Planet Coaster. And let's just download some of these parks and walk through them and see what they're like. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I'm going to post something on Patreon. Keep an eye out for that. I'm super excited. I'm really hoping this finally works because, like, no joke, it's something that I've talked about almost every week. And I'm sure that Gavin and Melissa yeah. <laughs> are just tired of me talking about it. And, like, dude, seriously, dude, just and do it already. Just shut up and do it. (laughs) Just tell us when. (laughs) I know. So I'm so ready for this. So anyway, yes. Uh, Back to Avengers Campus. Uh, If any of you know, if any construction continued after everything was shut down, let us know. We'd be happy to know. 
And uh, if we get a new opening date, obviously, once Disney announces that, whether it's the same one or a new one, we'll keep you guys posted. So keep an eye on the Instagram account for more information on that. So I've got a two-part question for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Part one, do you have a prediction of when the Disneyland Resort will reopen? Part two, based on that, when do you think Avengers Campus will reopen? Um... If, if I had to guess when, when it's going to open, given the situation here in California, I think we'll probably see Downtown Disney open before the parks actually open. Because I think Downtown Disney will be able to monitor how people sit in restaurants, sit at bars, and do their shopping a lot easier than they'll be able to monitor that within the parks, especially considering the proximity of people on attractions. So mm-hmm. a lot of that, I think, is logistics that they're going to work on, you know, figuring it out, on figuring out. So I think Downtown Disney will open July. That, that okay. if, I, if I had to guess... I'll tell you right. I would say Downtown Disney will open July. If everything continues on an upward path where we're progressing and not digressing, then I think Disneyland will open sometime in September or October. And then uh, if not, January of next year. Man, that okay. is so crazy to think about. Yeah, Ugh. and so, and I'm I'm working uh, I'm working off of what I know so far of like the three to four step plan that the governor has put in place for for California, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's not just conjecture on my part. It's really trying to take all the information in that's being distributed on how people are opening, when they're opening, how they're doing it, and whether or not it's working. But mm-hmm. in California, since we're kind of in this four-step process, I think right now is step one. Step two will be to kind of minimally open up these other areas, which will include restaurants, which is why I think downtown Disney will be the next part of that phase. And then uh, over the course of three to four months, which would be about September, October, that's when the parks will begin to reopen with mm-hmm. you know 20% capacity. Yeah. Oh, 20%? Okay. Yeah, that's what that I low? think. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 30, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I would love to be the lucky 20% in the park. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> ish. I think, I mean, we don't know what the restrictions are either. Yeah. yeah that's we true. don't know what's what's going to be coming forth of, you know, are, are we going to be allowed first? We don't know. I kind of, uh, I'm just estimating do not come for me. <laughs> I'm guessing we will see something here August, September. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't see the parks opening until maybe the holidays. And I, I know that's really discouraging to say, mm-hmm. but I'm basing this off of us being the last resort to open. Yeah. Compared yeah. to everybody else. And you know florida barely gonna open um mm-hmm. disney springs we'll see when um disneyland paris um hong kong when everything else opens and then if all goes right you know i'm hoping by the holidays we'll be open we'll yeah. see see i feel like they are still hoping they can open by at least august 
And I yeah. say that because they still haven't canceled the Star Wars party that's in August. Oh, I didn't. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. The Disney After Dark Star Wars thing. Uh, yeah. It is still on as of right now. Okay. And so I I think they're they're really hoping they can open by then. But I do kind of lean towards, you know, closer to the timelines that you guys both said. And in that case, I don't think they'll... Well, maybe. Maybe they'll throw Avengers Campus open at the same time they open the park because they really want to draw people. Because yeah. I think a lot of people are going to stay away out of hesitation yeah. up to fear, you know, of, you know, wanting to be in large crowds again. I'm calling and it cautiousness, not fear. Or cautiousness. <laughs> uh, yeah, however cautiousness you want to um, label it. I mean, it's all legitimate. I mean, it's fine to be afraid. Um, and it's, yeah. So I think they're going to have to have enticement, you know. And I think Avengers Campus was going to be that enticement. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, Rise of the Resistance is still an enticement because most people mm-hmm. haven't been on it. I'm one of right. them. I'm one on of it. them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, uh, man, I want to go on it so bad. And, you know, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. This I I'm still amazed that the Disney parks have been closed for this long. I'm just I'm baffled. This, yeah. This, to I me, know. it's the the most prominent example in my mind of how crazy this time is and how unprecedented it is, knowing that Disneyland has been closed for two months now. And mm-hmm. it's just it's going to stretch out to the foreseeable future. I don't know how long. And that's what's crazy is that I have no idea. Like I can see other places opening up like malls and you know other what are those business but uh, <laughs> those are a thing still <laughs> yeah they're a thing still <laughs> i'm still a mall kid from the 80s I, I love the mall uh anyway it's just weird I, I i still can't fully wrap my mind around it and it it makes me as well as i'm sure a lot of disney parks fans a little sad to just think of it being closed and no one enjoying it you know yeah yeah i get you man i'm i'm right there with you mm-hmm. uh i just want to make sure that when i go back i'm i'm gonna be as safe as possible but sure. at, at the same time right if somebody that from disney is like look hazen uh i need you to come to the park to cover the opening of avengers campus you know we'll give you press credentials for podcasters and you know you can take photos and video and vlog about it i'll be like let me grab my mask, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. no. I'm going to go and I'm going to try to just be as safe as possible. And I'm going to do everything in my power, you know, to be there. I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, but if it did, I'm not going to say no. Right. Right. right? You know, so right. that that's kind of where I am. So anybody with that power, I'm available. I'm just <laughs> want to put it out there. I will grab a mask and I will grab PPE from Gavin that looks like the Winter Soldier mask or my Iron Man helmet, whichever one he makes for me, and I will wear it to the opening of Avengers Campus. I'm just saying. I'm available. for the team. I will. I'm available. Call me. (laughs) 
Okay, uh, in a moment, we're going to get into a little bit of the history of Buena Vista Street. Um, it's, it's more of a walkthrough than a history segment. But before we do that, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by a fantastic group of listeners known as the FGP Squad. The FGP Squad help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. And if you want to become part of the FGP Squad family, you can do so by going to podcasters.com slash FGP for more information. Information. There you'll find a list of our top contributors, a link to sign up, and a little more information about how it started and all that good stuff. So again, podcasters.com slash FGP. And to all of the members of the FGP squad, I just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Ah, man. Mel, now that you said, like... For me, I said those two months, and I just thought, yeah, you know, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. Uh, but then you said holidays, and instantly in my head, I thought, believe in holiday magic. You know, that that's <laughs> uh-huh. where I am. Remember the caring of the season with cheering. Believe in the magic in our lives. That's where my head is now. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. No, really. Sorry? Thank you. No, no. Thank you. I'm not being facetious. Oh, okay, okay. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> That's like. I was like, I don't know how to react. No, no. This is great. I mean, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that the holidays, like especially Christmas time, is my favorite time in the parks. And Believe in Holiday Magic kicks me in the feels so hard every time that I see it. (laughs) Like, it just fills me up with joy. Like, I can't even describe. Like, it just reminds me of first dating my wife and then having my kids and going to the park for the first time with them and enjoying that. And, like, I just get all misty and teary-eyed, like, when I think about it. So, (sighs) I just got, like, happy tingles. So it's good Aww. stuff. So yeah, I'm not being facetious. Thank you, Mel. Yeah, I I hope it opens by the holiday times too because it's just extra magical. It just is. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're about a month away from Christmas in July, right? So maybe we'll just start that. I saw like halfway to Halloween trending this last week, so maybe mm-hmm. next month we'll start trending the halfway to Christmas, and then we'll just start posting pictures of the Christmas parades and everything. There we go. Why not? Yeah, (laughs) it'll be fun. It's fine. (laughs) So, Okay. So in this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about Buena Vista Street. Buena Vista Street, man, I love that area so much. Oh, yes, I do too. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I start researching stuff for these episodes, like I feel like I jump into this rabbit hole of information where I branch off into like 80 different directions and my mind is like, okay, I got to bookmark this. I got to come back to this. And oh, what? Wait, what? I didn't know that. (laughs) You know, so it's always fun to learn new things whenever we do these episodes. And we're hoping Mm -hmm. that you guys learn a little something from these episodes as well. So let's jump into Buena Vista Street. Uh, So when California Adventure first opened, the park was themed to look like famous locations throughout its namesake state. The first area that you saw upon entering the park was known as Sunshine Plaza. As many of you may already know, the park then known as Disney's California Adventure wasn't as popular as its older sibling was just meters across the Esplanade. 
That would change, though, on October 17, 2007, when the Walt Disney Company announced plans for a $1.1 billion expansion of California Adventure, which included an overhaul of Sunshine Plaza, which would become Buena Vista Street. Now, I don't want to get too much into the backstory here because we've done several episodes about the history of DCA. So if you're interested in listening to that backstory, I recommend checking out episode 243, 244, and 273, where we talk about DCA 1.0, DCA 2.0, and the shift into bringing IPs into the parks. So Main Street USA at Disneyland was made to resemble a quaint town during the turn of the 20th century, drawing much inspiration from a small town Walt lived in as a young boy named Marceline, Missouri. When Walt was older, he and his brother Roy went west to pursue a career in animation, and Buena Vista Street drew much of its inspiration from the Los Angeles that Walt and Roy saw when they first came to California. Aside from that, Buena Vista Street also indirectly tells the story of heartbreak, perseverance, and success. Buena Vista Street is a walk in Walt's footsteps. The first major change we saw was the entrance to the park. No longer did we have the huge letters in front of DCA, but now we had a sleek look of an entrance resembling the famous Pan Pacific Auditorium in Los Angeles. Upon entering DCA, you would walk into Buena Vista Plaza. It's a small area, but it has benches and trees and kind of serves as the opening act for the area. And did you guys know that there's a time capsule here? No. Yeah. What? Yeah. So near the flagpole in Buena Vista Plaza, there's a plaque on the ground that reads, May the hopes and dreams represented by the collection contained within the time capsule beneath this marker inspire a future generation of dreamers when it is unsealed a quarter century from now on June 5th, 2037. And inside the capsule, it, it has things like a copy of the Orange County Register, uh, BlackBerry phone, variations of Disneyland annual passports, cast member things like name tags, construction helmets. And for you, Gavin, this one's specially for you. There's even a chunk of the Timon parking lot floor, which, for those that don't know, is now the site of Cars Land. Yes. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> so when they open that time capsule, it's going to be like, I'll take the rock. <laughs> yeah because i'll just be giving that stuff oh out. they they will they'll be like who wants this one just toss it out into the people that are there oh man uh, i'm sure that they'll start selling replica rocks of the timon parking lot oh yeah people will be all over it <laughs> <laughs> uh so to the left of buena vista plaza you'll see oswald's tires this is a small gift shop made to resemble an old car garage and kind of gas station Prominently displayed outside is a 1937 Packard car, which represents prestige and the year that Snow White was released. Oswald, of course, plays a huge part in the history of the Disney company, since he was really one of the first big characters and projects worked on by Walt and Ub Iwerks outside of the Alice comedies. Having Oswald in DCA now is a huge deal, because in short, Universal actually owned the rights to Oswald since his creation, and it was the efforts of Bob Iger that brought him back home to the Disney company in 2006. Having Oswald as part of DCA, especially that early in your experience, is like its own time capsule, showing that although most people say it all started with a mouse, 
it kind of all started with a rabbit because it was Universal taking the rights from Oswald, you know, that ultimately gave us Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Yep. The visuals of Buena Vista Street are stunning. The architecture itself is split into two main themes. On the left side, you have buildings that are inspired by an Art Deco style, and the buildings on the right are inspired by Spanish architecture. Both of these styles were very prominent in the 1920s and 1930s, but unless you're looking for it, it's actually an easy detail to miss. This is a testament to the work that Imagineers do when finding a way to balance visuals in the areas that they're creating. During the formation of Buena Vista Street, many of the icons were construct- that were constructed for DCA 1.0 in the Sunshine Plaza were removed or reimagined. The area became more centralized to Los Angeles and the surrounding areas that Walt was becoming more familiar with in the 1920s. For instance, the Golden Gate Bridge replica was removed and replaced with a small-scale replica of the Hyperion Bridge, which ended up opening in 1929. This was actually under construction when Walt was staying in Atwater Village, but the functional aspect remained the same as it serves as, a, as an actual bridge for the monorail. Now, I'd have to do a little bit more research to verify if this part is true, but while researching this episode, I found that the Hyperion Bridge connects Glendale and Silver Lake, and the architecture in the 20s was more Art Deco in Glendale, the right side, and it seemed, and they seem to have more Spanish-style architecture in Silver Lake, the or sorry, the left side for Glendale and the right side for Silver Lake. So having the connecting bridge of Hyperion hmm. kind of connects the two. And I don't know if that was done on purpose. Um, wow! This is just like I again, I can't confirm this 100%. I'm just kind of putting clues together that lead me to believe this. But if that's true, like it's a super cool little Easter egg for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a neat detail. I yeah. dig it. The addresses on the buildings on Buena Vista Street are also significant because most of them are kind of a hidden code. Cue the Gravity Falls theme. That's all you're going to get. The first two digits, <laughs> either 26 or 27, refer to the two years that the Walt Disney Studios were located on Hyperion Avenue in Los Angeles. In many of the addresses, the second two digits represent a milestone year in the history of the Disney Brothers and the studios. For example, Julius Katz Shoe and Watch Repair is located at 2701 Buena Vista Street. This represents one of the years that they were on Hyperion Avenue and Walt Disney's birth year, 1901. The shops also contain their own Disney magic with references to the past. For instance, after Oswald and before there was Mickey, there was Mortimer. When Oswald was taken away from Walt, he created a brand new character named Mortimer. But according to Disney historians, Lillian didn't like the name Mortimer and the name was ultimately changed to Mickey. Mortimer would eventually be actualized as his own character when he debuted in the 1936 short Mickey's Rival. Mortimer's Market plays homage to that character. Across the street at the Los Feliz Five and Dime, one super cool Easter egg is displayed on an American flag hanging in the shop. That flag only has 48 stars. This accurately represents the flag only a dozen or so years after Arizona became a state and decades before Hawaii and Alaska became states in 1959. Details. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Atwater Ink and Paint Bulletin Board has several references and Easter eggs to Disneyland and Disney animated films, including advertisements for piano lessons from Roger Radcliffe, dog walking services from Anita, referencing 101 Dalmatians, an ad for the WDP Circus, referencing Dumbo, and an audition call for the Firehouse 4, which was a small Dixieland jazz band set up by Ward Kimball and other Disney animators. But one of my favorite pieces of Disney history as you're walking down Buena Vista Street is a small sign to the right of the entrance of Atwater Ink and Paint for the Atwater School of Art and Animation on the second floor, which contains the names of the instructors, Clark Larson, Johnston, Thomas, Kimball, Davis, Call, Lausenberry, and Reitherman, collectively and lovingly known as Walt's Nine Old Men. I love that sign. That's, yeah. That, that's one of my favorite pieces as well. I'm so glad you mentioned it. <laughs> right. And and it's it feels like it's hidden because you kind of have to cut the corner into that door. But mm-hmm. once you know it's there, like you can't miss it. Right. You yeah. always see it when mm-hmm. you walk by. Uh, Julius the Cat was inspired by Felix the Cat and was one of the characters from Disney's Alice comedies and was one of the first characters Walt ever worked on. The shop Julius Katz pays tribute to this character. Elias and Company was named after Walt's father, and inside you'll find a poster for Flora's Beauty Parlor. Flora was Walt's mother. This store has a super hidden Easter egg that ranks in as one of my favorites in the park and is hidden in the Art Deco style molding that decorates the store. At first glance, you look at it and think, ah, cool, that's very Gatsby looking. But upon further inspection, (laughs) you'll see that the design is intricately made so that it spells Walt. It's so cool. I love this detail. Yeah. So if you look at the molding, <laughs> the the gold lines are made in such a way that they repeat the word Walt, Walt, Walt across the, oh the molding. Gosh. It's gorgeous. I'm going to see if I can find a picture of it. I think I've taken a picture of it before. I'm going to see if I can find it. It's one of my Sweet. favorite Easter eggs. It's so well hidden. I'm telling you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I want to see this. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Across the street, you have the Fiddler, Pfeiffer, and Practical Cafe, which is named after none other than the Three Little Pigs. Most people don't even know that the Three Little Pigs have names, but Mm -hmm. that's their names. Uh, Inside, there's (laughs) another bulletin board, which contains uh, a a flyer for Bigelow's Air Circus, you know, which references the Rocketeer. There's another flyer for singing lessons with Adriana. This is, a leg- this is a reference to Disney legend Adriana Casalotti, also known as the singing voice for Snow White. Snow White, yeah. There's also, a, there's also a posting that references the original Alice comedies that Walt worked on, where they're asking for child actress for something new and clever in animated cartoons. Between four and six years old, must remember lines and be adorable, hair color negotiable, <laughs> Disney Bros. Studio. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. <laughs> I think it is. It's super cool. 
The centerpiece sun icon and wave fountain that once represented the area were replaced with a meticulous recreation of the Carthay Circle Theater, which was the location of the 1937 world premiere of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now, I think that one of these days I want to dive into the history of the opening of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because it's a super significant point in Disney's history, and I feel it deserves mm-hmm. its own segment outside of what we're talking about in this episode. So let's put a pin in that one, and we'll do sure. you know a whole segment on just the release of that film. Uh, and of course, in front of the Carthay Circle Theater is a bronze statue of a younger Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse designed by Rick Terry and Ray Spencer. The statue is the counterpart to the iconic partner statue at Disneyland and is called Storytellers. On that statue, there's a plaque that reads, We are just getting started. Which kind of seems like a weird cliffhanger for a movie. You know, it's like one of those, like, in two years, we'll be back with the next part of that mm-hmm. quote. But <laughs> but I also feel like this was a missed opportunity to somehow include Oswald into the park because, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Recreations of this statue also appear at Tokyo Disney Sea and Shanghai Disneyland. Now, I don't know if the red car trolleys are meant to make a comeback once Avengers Campus opens. But the trolleys that traveled from Buena Vista Plaza to Mission Breakout, formerly known as the Tower of Terror, were based and numbered on the popular light rail cars operated by the Pacific Electric Railway. These red car trolleys were a transportation fixture throughout the Los Angeles area. The numbers represented the trolley's historic model number and something significant in the Disney company. So the number 623 refers to 1923 the year that Walt came out west. The red car trolley 717 pays tribute to Disneyland's opening date, July 17, 1955. This numbering is also inspired by the trolley's type, which was modeled after the St. Louis Company Cars 700 series of the same time frame. Last year, the red car trolley newsboys show was cut, and as of now, it's unlikely to return, but of course that can change at any point. The show itself was a lively Newsies musical-style show where the Newsboys sang along with Mickey Mouse to the song Suitcase and a Dream. And if you never heard it, it's super catchy. I'll put a, mm-hmm. I'll put a video in the blog post for this episode if I can find one. Podcastyears.com slash 309. I'm sure I'll find one somewhere on YouTube, but it's, it's a great show. I'm kind of sad that they got rid of it. It brought a lot of liveliness to that area. Yeah, I agree. There's many things that I love about Buena Vista Street, from small details to Disney history. For instance, when I first got into photography, I used to love going to downtown LA and looking for what people call ghost signs. Simply put, these are large signs on the sides of buildings advertising something from the building itself to a product. Over time, these signs began to fade due to negligence and the elements, but in some cases, you can still see remnants of these signs from the 20s and 30s. Buena Vista Street has several of these signs, like the one on the back of the Los Feliz Park and Dime building that reads, Elias and Company, open seven days. And one to the right of the entrance of Elias and Company that reads, Elias and Co., free parking and rear. Of course, the difference is that these signs are prominently displayed in full color, and they look just like they would have back in the 1920s. 
It's a small detail, but because I love those ghost signs, I love it. Yeah. I, I, I've always liked the signage design in this area. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, they do such a great job. They're, everything that they put up is so ornate that the people mm-hmm. that paint these, the windows on Main Street, they, they're so talented. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I just, ah, it's one of my favorite details. I love it. The eccentric citizens of Buena Vista Street, from officers Calvin and Clyde, Molly and Millie, or the performers of Five and Dime, these cast members play their parts well and are a joy to speak to. Their bubbly attitudes can very positively influence your day when you speak to them. And also, you know the store Trolley Treats? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So there's, uh, there's a display on that window that shows a little train going around a little mountain. Mm-hmm. That mountain is a replica model of something known as Rock Candy Mountain, which was a short-lived concept tossed around for the storybook canal boats in Fantasyland. Yep. So to wrap this up, Imagineers did a wonderful job when reimagining Buena Vista Street. It strikes a yep. balance between being quaint enough to not be considered too Hollywood, but active and modern enough that it's not too middle America Main Street USA. Buena Vista Street is a beautiful blend of ideals, ideas, and a sense of failure that can serve as a launching pad for all dreamers, doers, and storytellers. Very that was nice. perfect. <laughs> I really enjoy the thing i enjoy most about these types of episodes is i feel like we're all kind of taking a collective walk in our minds through these lands and (laughs) i just did that uh with with you hazen and you know it the greatest thing about it i think is that it is the perfect kind of mirror image of main street you know it's it's a different era a different part of the country and it has like a bend in it you know it's not a straight Mm -hmm. road you know so there's like a couple of key differences but other than that like the idea that you're walking into two different eras that and you know drastically influenced you know the creator of all of this magic uh, is so uh poetic to me i i love that that is kind of the the culmination of so many things you know you've got main street which kind of embodies Walt's childhood and it ends in like the pinnacle of everything with the castle and then on the other end you've got the the you know adventure of him striking out on his own with his brother moving to LA and then it you know being capitalized at the end of that with Carthay Circle and the release of Snow White like these iconic titanic moments in the history of the company all represented in that double stretch of road that begin each park mm-hmm. and i just there's so much beauty in that storytelling and that poetry and that symbolism and everything i just i can't get enough of it and i i think all three of us are the type that we've spent entire days in the park just in one of those two lands mm-hmm. you know just oh, yeah. reveling in the details and and the artistry and the architecture and you know maybe a beer float with some ice cream you know things like that <laughs> uh it, make them really really uh enjoyable places just to soak up atmosphere and people watch oh, yeah. and you know all of that i i was introduced to dca when buena vista street was under construction so i never actually saw the full sunshine plaza version at all 
Um, so to me, okay. it is DCA. Like it is. Oh yeah. The heart and soul of DCA to me, and man, I I super super dig it, and I can't wait until our next episode when we get to you know add some of our own ideas to it. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be interesting because there's not a lot of attractions there, but right, you know, adding I think yeah. Armchair Imagineering, this area is going to be super fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with everything that you just said. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I've talked to other people about how I feel that Buena Vista Street is a great representation of how failure can change you. And mm-hmm. they don't they don't seem to agree with me. But the argument that I pose is that Oswald was a failure for Walt. In a in a mm-hmm. in a very large yeah. sense because he didn't know about how to protect a character he didn't know how to keep it he lost this very important piece of his catalog and for almost eighty years he didn't have access to it or the company didn't have access to it so in many senses that was a failure on his part but he mm-hmm. learned from it and instead of saying okay I'm done. You know, he didn't throw his hands up in the air. Instead, he said, okay, well, I'm going to come back better than ever. And that's when Mortimer came around. And that's what evolved into Mickey. And I think as I've gotten older, I've been less afraid of failing if I take a calculated risk. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously, I'm not going to jump into something, you know, foolishly. But if I took a calculated risk and it just didn't happen to work out, Okay, move on. You know, let's try something different. Let's do this. Let's do that. You learn to pivot. And that's a mm-hmm. really hard skill to learn when you're younger. When I say that DCA has this really, or Buena Vista Street rather, has this really great balance of failure and success, that's exactly why. Because you saw how Walt originally failed, but pivoted hard and he built an empire off of his yeah. next creation. You know, so mm-hmm. you never know what's beyond the horizon if you don't push yourself to that next level. Yeah. It's pretty much um, perseverance. Yeah. And determination. And that's what I I love. Oh, my gosh. Main Street is childhood, like his childhood. This side, one of this street is we see that side of him that doesn't give up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he has that dream and he shows us that dream. And the fact that he keeps going, I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And to sit on Buena Vista Street now, I actually like this better than... I, I appreciate what DCA looked in the beginning with Sunshine Plaza, but it was kind of a chaotic, colorful mess. And I, I do like what it, it gave us, but Buena Vista Street gives us a narrative. From the very beginning, even to the very end, one of my favorite things is by first aid. Wait, no, 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 not first aid. Excuse me. Guest services? Behind yeah. Oswald? Yes. Yeah, I think it's just guest services. Little... Okay, so it is guest mm-hmm. services. The little um, nod to them as the brothers, like that's really cool. And then as you keep going you see more and more that leads up to Carthay, which was his goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And just sitting there and just, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally beautiful. I, I love this. This was like a fun walk and I'm excited for the next episode <laughs> because, oh my God, I kind of went wild. <laughs> I don't have any ideas for the next episode. So we're going to see how it goes. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll talk. 
it's okay. You could chime in. I'll just chime in on your ideas. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I, I think Main Street, I guess, if we wanted to sum it up, I guess Main Street and Buena Vista Street are the epitome of Marty Sklar's book, Dream It, Do It, right? Buena Vista Street is the dream it part. Main Street USA, mm-hmm. like you said, Mel, is the do it part, right? Oh, interesting. Interesting. So yeah. It, yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I really like that example. So there you go. So there, <laughs> I, there's a couple of details I just I just want to point out real quick because yeah. I freaking sure. love Buena Vista Street. It's, it's exquisitely beautiful. So one of the signs that I really love, which a lot of people miss, is actually if you're looking at uh, Fiddler Pfeiffer um, and Practical Cafe, um, and you go around it to the left towards Smoke Jumper's Grill. On the mm-hmm. left side of that building is a painted sign for the cafe, which is amazing design work. I freaking love mm. that design. Uh, it's one of my the favorite. The cafe sign, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so beautiful. That's painted on the wall. Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, it's one of my favorite signs in the area. I love the two tile mosaics on either facing wall of yeah. the Carthay Circle restaurant. They're so, so, so beautiful. And they kind of bring in some more of that um, Spanish architecture flair and that artistry. And it's just, I love those, those two mosaics there. My favorite little Easter egg on the street is there's a, uh, underneath the bridge that goes over the the main strip of the road, um, just beyond the five and dime. As you're entering to the left, there's just like a little false door up a there's like three steps up and then it's like a little false door like into a supposed uh residential building and there are is a mailbox there and one of the names on the mailbox is e valiant mm-hmm. for eddie valiant nice. which is a nod to roger rabbit and i <laughs> yeah. freaking love that yeah there's several nods on there i think another one is one of the scientists from the rocketeer Oh, is that it? Yeah, nice. and another. Yeah, I know one, there's a, there's a few there's other names. Four, the I only think. one I knew was Eddie Valiant. I think there's four. I think there's there's Eddie Valiant. There's I forgot the professor's name on the second one, but one of them is a cast member that actually I think was working on Buena Vista Street, but passed away right before the opening mm. of the park. And as a tribute, they made one of the mailboxes there, like the name That's of the cool. cast Aww. member. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean. There's all these little Easter eggs throughout the entire place that are great. Well, and then right above that is the optometrist shop mm-hmm. called iWorks, yes. which is a reference to of iWorks. Yeah. And I mean, come on. That's just genius. Yeah. That was a stroke of pure genius. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so many wonderful things. Well, if there's any other Easter eggs that we missed, uh, I know that there was a ton of them that I would have wanted to talk about, like the Silver Lake Sisters references inside oh, of yeah. Fiddler Pfeiffer and Practicals Cafe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's so many, uh, especially any that we missed. Join the conversation, share them with us over on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. We'd love to hear them, and we'd love to share them in an upcoming episode. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. Made you look.